For the first time in 17 years, Saul makes his return. For uh, I wonder how many new people. Studio. I wonder how many new people don't even know that I'm on the show. I know. Who's <laughs> that guy? He hasn't been here for like a month. Yeah. This is Saul. Everybody. Yeah. He's one of the OGs. I missed you guys. Yeah. Did was, you? It's, they missed you. Listen, you know I, the Cardinals' cruel is cool. It's cool, you know, hanging out with Bo and John. It's all good. It's, it's, <laughs> all, it's all good. Hanging out with I'm Mike kidding, Luke I'm and kidding. filling in for him. That's cool. But, you know, mm. there's just nothing like my son's squad. So. There's nothing there like go. home, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what they say. That's what they say. Well, great news. A perfect show for you to come back on because it's jam-packed with all kinds of things. First and foremost, the Phoenix Suns have officially, officially signed Thad Young to the roster. So that's exciting. It only took us about a week from the first <laughs> initial report to it actually become officially official. But he is in Phoenix. He is with the team. And James Jones had some really nice things to say about him as well. He said, that is a highly respected veteran player who makes us a better team in our pursuit of winning an NBA championship. Thad is extremely intelligent and plays with a competitive intensity his size and defensive abilities add versatility to our roster. Gerald, I know that you've done a deep dive on that over at gophnx.com. Well, what makes you so excited for him to be on this squad? Just the fact that we have another player on the roster now who he's not going to play heavy minutes, but if he gives you 10 to 15 quality minutes at a number of different positions, that's great. He opens up Frank Vogel's small ball versatility a little bit, like James alluded to in terms of that defense, that versatility. You know, he's not a, a rim protector or a lockdown perimeter defender, but he is a switchable guy who communicates a lot and he generates a ton of steals and deflections, which going into the break, they had talked about wanting to improve their turnover differential by cutting down on turnovers and generating more than they have been. So between Royce and Thad, those are two guys that generate those steals and deflections a lot they communicate a lot they're veterans they're leaders on the defensive end of the floor so i like how positionless the bench is becoming compared to what it was before the trade deadline yeah in the last two weeks before uh, sorry let me no, right. off. the last two weeks before the the all-star break the suns have improved quite a bit offensively they were top three team in, in the league and then defensively we've always talked about they needed to be somewhere near the you know 10 to 15 range they were actually number eight mm -hmm. um yeah. in, in the in the last two weeks so they've raised their level and then to be able to add uh, a versatile piece like that young uh to the mix i'm really excited about what he's going to bring i feel like we've been excited for like five years yeah for tad young <laughs> yeah. and now he's here so mm -hmm. I the feel year that it finally all came together 2023 24 who would have thought we got eric yeah. gordon we got Thad young yeah true who else literally who the else? first piece the i wrote Aldridge. here there you go. The first Tell piece I wrote here was about a Thad Young basketball <laughs> breakdown. That's that was true. more than two years ago. Yeah, yeah I feel a little vindicated because I've been talking about that for three years. <laughs> yeah, And everybody's like, Flex, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dad ain't coming to the Suns. And finally, we got him. Mm -hmm. You know, the circumstances were right and lined up. I can't stress this enough. The Phoenix Suns defensively got so much better. Mm. I mean, so much better. What he lacks in athletic ability because he's 35 years old and he's not the same guy that he used to be, 
he brings in IQ, knowledge, just being in the right place, being a leader, being a talker. So, yeah, the Suns just got what I would call a defensive coordinator, a top-line defensive coordinator to add to that group. And some Lindsay said something the other day, and I want to I'm going to tell people this is going to happen. We were having a conversation pregame, and they went in. They said Royce O'Neal is going to play 15 minutes today, and he played 30. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By, right? Yeah. And and you watch how this is going to happen. It's going to start off as Dad ain't going to play much, and you're going to start looking. You're going to be like, Damn, Dad played 28 minutes mm-hmm. because defense wins championships, and that's what he's going to bring to the table. They just got very much better. Do you guys think that? that will extend beyond the regular season into the playoffs where we'll see some of those guys who maybe were thinking 15-ish minutes end up actually putting in more in the playoffs as well? Or do you think it's majority of a dependent on how the rest of the season goes? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it depends on matchup. And I think Vogel has shown a willingness to experiment and adjust based on what he's seeing, which is something that, you know, with Monty in the past we complained about. I think if they're going into a game and it's one of those games where Nurk and Eubanks can't stay on the floor, you have great options that you can go to KD at the five with Royce at the four. Or you can go to KD at the four and Thad at the five. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a little bit more options if you're Frank Vogel to where, you know, if if traditional lineups aren't working for our normal bigs, we can go small tonight. And that's a huge thing to have, especially because Thad is not just a good defender, but offensively, he, like Royce O'Neal, is a really underrated passer. Yep. He makes good reads, um, and he's able to keep the offense moving in the short roll um, as kind of one of those elbow or perimeter connectors yep. like Yusuf Nurkic. So even if you go small with Thad at the five, you can still do a lot of what you do with Nurk on the offensive end with Thad. So that's encouraging too. Yeah, he, he operates in that short roll, in that short pocket mm-hmm. very well. He has a knack for finding the backdoor cutter or popping it out to three, Mm -hmm. diagnosing the play, diagnosing the weakness in the defense. This is a guy, I want to stress this, in this point in his career, he's been playing a lot of center. He's Mm -hmm. been playing a lot of that short row close to the rim, three, four feet from the rim. But this is a guy that shot 40% from three in his career, not too long ago, actually. I want to say three years ago, he shot 40% from three. So we know mechanically he can do it. I look at a lineup of Thad, Royce, Book, Bill, and KD, and if you're in the playoffs and you need stops Mm -hmm. and you need continuity, but you also want to apply the pressure because how do we get fast and how do we run on stops? Mm -hmm. And so if you can get the stops, close out possessions with guys like Royce and Thad, it's just going to make the engine roar, man, and and it can be dangerous. So I look at this lineup. And I say they got a lot. They got a lot of tricks up their sleeves now. And so James, everything James said, he should. He, I think he means it. Uh-huh. And I think everybody should be excited about it. The defensive versatility that they they now have at a little bit of a higher, um, at a higher rate it, by adding Royce O'Neal and Thad Young, uh, can't be underestimated. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's it, like it's. It is going to be – listen, Vogel had a lot of options offensively in terms of what he wanted to try and do and mix and match and whatever. Defensively, he was a little bit limited because some of the guys that they had on the roster were brought in like like you look at a Yuta for offense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. KBD was here for defense, but at the beginning of the season, he was so bad on offense that they couldn't play him. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now you have some solid guys – with a lot of experience that have performed at a high level. And I'm listen, that it was only one game to see him in person and Royce O'Neal. But even in that small little sample size, 
I just I felt like he belonged here. Yeah. And it felt like he was going to be a much more important piece that I think people were gonna realize. He gave me Bruce Brown vibes. Yes. Immediately off the bat. And he seamlessly I know kind it's of fit Detroit. in too. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but he seamlessly fit in. And even with the communication and the way that his teammates spoke about him, it wasn't like the normal, yes, I'm going to say nice things about the new guy on our team. Mm -hmm. It was very specific things, mm -hmm. too, which I think speaks volumes to what he brings and how comfortable he felt immediately implementing that um, with this squad. But the Suns have options, and that's a good thing. A lot of people are asking if Young will be playing on Thursday. He should be available. I expect him um, to be Whether available. or not he'll play remains to be seen, but he should be available. So that's a positive. Um, and, you know, just like the Suns have options now, you guys have options. <laughs> when you hit up our friend at Desert Financial Credit Union. For more than 84 years, they have been Arizona's largest, most trusted local credit union and they are dedicated to creating exceptional experiences by giving back to the community and providing financial solutions that make lives better. And right now, if you open a free checking account online, you're going to get $200 in bonuses. So don't leave that money on the table. Get started by visiting desertfinancial.com slash 200. It's just like at the casino. Cash out as fast as you can and go to some burrows with that money. Hey, oh, there you it. go. There you go. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. There we go. Uh, burritos, tacos, enchiladas, the whole nine yards. I'm a big red chili fan. I love their red chili smothered burrito. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, they got locations all over the valley. You just go to someburrows.com. You're going to find them, the one closest to you. Uh, let some burrows cater your next meal as well. Uh, big or small, order online and find the closest one by visiting sumburrows.com. All right, guys. So we were blessed last night, yesterday, with an hour and some change long conversation from Kevin Durant. And there were a lot of really great things in mm -hmm. this. We're going to talk about a few things first. First and foremost, because we had already talked about it earlier this week, he spoke about his leadership and the way that not just Charles Barkley at the All-Star Game, but long before that, people have been questioning him as a leader. And he had a response. Why do you think people in the media think you're not a good leader or that you're not a leader? I just, I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I don't have a personality that's like fit for TV like my peers. And a lot of those stories of what we talk about don't get spoken about in the media. And that's just really what it is. It's like, you gotta sell what you're doing as well. And I haven't sold it enough, you know? And I feel like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say I'm not one either. You know what I'm saying? Because eh, they don't see what goes on behind the scenes or what I talk about or my intentions or the relationships that I built with oh, my, my teammates and support staff. But when guys like that say that, I just got to chalk it up to them just not being aware of what goes on instead of like wanting to, you know, push a narrative for myself, maybe not a narrative or tell the truth for myself, I, don't, I, I you know, or, or expose the truth or how great of a leader I am. I don't feel like it's necessary. I'll just chalk it up to those guys not being aware of who I am. So, I mean, I agree entirely with this just because his personality doesn't really fit what we typically see, quote unquote, from that main leadership kind of guy. You know, I, there's a couple things that I think of right away when I think about Kevin Durant's leadership. Uh, if you look at head coaches around the league, some head coaches are very demonstrative on the sideline. Some mm -hmm. of them are reserved. Mm -hmm. Some of them sit down the whole game. 
Some of them stand up the whole game. Yep. doesn't mean one's more effective than the other. Yep. It's just your coaching style. And I think with Kevin Durant, that's the first thing you look at. Then the second thing, you look at a guy like Bull Bull, mm-hmm. who says, you know, KD's like my my idol. Like I, I've, I grew up watching KD and to be able to play with him is phenomenal. And you look at his growth over the course of this season alone. And we haven't seen that kind of growth <laughs> from him from a consistent standpoint at any one of his stops, he is not doing any of the, the the crazy things that he did from time to time in the last couple cities, you know, fast break and then try to throw a crazy pass or anything like that. He's been a lot more reserved. He's played within himself. And you got to think that Kevin Durant has that influence on a guy like Bull Bull because I guarantee you if Kevin Durant speaks to Bull Bull, Bull Bull's going to listen. And why? Because he knows that Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. And Kevin Durant taking the time to influence a guy like Bull Bull is leadership. Totally. And so that's what I, you know, I get what Charles is saying in terms of like, you know, he needs to see, he needs the most obvious, you know, representation of leadership on the court. Some guy being, you know, loud and blah, 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 whatever. Like, that's not, that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, you guys think about it when you guys were going up through high school. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and playing games, same thing with you. You know, like there was you had certain athletes that were just like getting hyped and they wanted to clap the whole time and blah blah. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like yeah. I was the type of person like, You're bro, right. get the fuck away from me right now. <laughs> like I'm You're trying doing to, too much. I'm trying to focus on the game. I'm staying within myself. I ain't got all that kind of energy. But that doesn't mean one of uh, one of us was wrong or one of us is right. It's just how we went about our business. So I don't like the KD slander when it comes to leadership because you have no idea unless you see him on a day-to-day basis what he's doing behind the scenes to exude that leadership. All right, so we talked about this. I'm going to piggyback on you. This pissed me off. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm still pissed off about this Charles Barkley comment on uh, about him being a follower. There's no way on God's green earth that you get to the level that Kevin Durant is at, Mm -hmm. which I believe is... In my Mount Rushmore, I said it the other day, Jordan, Kobe, Braun, KD. That's where I'm at. There's no way you get there without being a leader. Now, to Saul's point, I played with a lot of very good athletes. Some of them were demonstrative on the court, you know, in the timeout, on the court, in the locker room. And then there were some really good basketball players that wouldn't say a damn thing to you until after the game, until we're walking to the car, Mm-hmm. Until we're at the spot eating and would say, hey, man, this how you should see this. This how you should do this. And so there's different forms of leadership. And so he's not the guy that's going to be all in your face. But watch a game. Do yourself a favor and watch a 48 minute basketball game. Don't get distracted. Don't fall into the BS. Watch the entire game and watch how many times Kevin Durant is communicating with his teammates, communicating with people on the other on the other team. Coaching them up on why their foul was a foul. Coaching them up on why their foul wasn't a foul. You know, so, I mean, he's Kevin Durant's a leader, and it's foolish that we've gotten to the point where we're picking and, and choosing spots to say, okay, he's a, he went to Golden State, so he's not a leader. Like, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous to me, man. And so, chill out. Kevin's a leader. He just does it in his own way. Yeah, I mean, the, the people that matter, the people, his coaches, his teammates, and those of us that are paying close enough attention, 
to what these people are saying. Yeah. Understand that Kevin Durant's leadership is not that typical. I think Frank Vogel called it rah-rah leadership. He's referred to that multiple times that KD is a lead by example guy, but when he sees things that can be corrected, he will point them out. It's just not in that visible vocal way that, you know, we see on TV or whatever. Um, they talk all the time about how this defensive turnaround that they've gone through is because of Kevin Durant taking the onus on the defensive end, taking those tough assignments. That's leadership by example. The way that players and coaches all marvel at his work ethic and practice and him setting the tone with taking every rep seriously, going hard yeah. with every drill that they do, that is setting the tone. That's being a leader. So, no, it's not always vocal leadership, but they have other guys, other veterans in this locker room who can assume that role. And that's something Frank Vogel has mentioned as well. So it doesn't have to be that traditional leadership. The best player is also the one telling everyone what to do and where to be. But he does do that behind the scenes, too. He, mm -hmm. he is helpful in that way. And you're not going to tell me. I remember it was one or two games before the break. Nasir Little made a bad turnover. Yeah. Kevin Durant, like, clapped in his face, was like, in his shit like man you got to be better than that a couple plays later Nas comes down and hits a three you're not going to tell me one of the all-time greats getting on you like that is not going to have an effect on you and that is also a form of leadership Correct. that we used to associate with Michael Jordan with Kobe yes. the guys that expected a ton out of their teammates to the point that they almost bullied them at times mm -hmm. like Kevin Durant's not that guy but he is going to get on you and again that's another form of leadership can I can I say something about Charles Barkley Sure. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna tell a story. Some people may know this. When Charles Barkley first came to Phoenix, mm -hmm. his very first practice, first time in the basement in the arena having practice, he almost killed Cedric Sabalos. Literally. Mm -hmm. Cedric Sabalos is going for a layup and Charles Barkley decides to damn near clothesline. Mm -hmm. Knock him to the ground. And his his reason for doing it was I'm a leader. And I'm going to show you this is how you lead. And Kevin Johnson ran and almost got into a fight with him in practice. Mm. And Danny Ainge jumped in and was like, hey, that ain't it. And Charles sat here the whole time and was like, oh, I was trying to see who would have my back mm. or who would have Sed's back, right? That To me, that's nonsense. Like, you don't need to do that type of stuff. So Charles, I believe, when he makes comments about Kevin, he's talking about things like that. But you don't have to be an asshole to be a leader. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to hurt your players and do that kind of stuff to be a leader. Mm -hmm. We lost that championship because Cedric Sabalos broke his foot in game six versus Seattle and could not play a damn game against Michael Jordan and the Bulls. I will go to my grave saying if Ced plays in that series, we probably win. Charles tried to hurt him the first day of practice. <laughs> That's a leader? Nah, bro. Chill out. Well, you got what? What do you got to say about? I that? mean, again, I'm going to go back to those different leadership styles. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because you can go back and now listen, Kobe Bryant. All right, in the Olympics, the first play in the Olympics, <laughs> they mm -hmm. they run a drag screen across the the court, and who's setting the pick? Pal Gasol. Mm -hmm. What does Kobe do? He runs right over him, mm -hmm. and, and 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 set the tone for that game, like. Yeah, that's my brother when we're playing for the Lakers, but fuck that dude right now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to kill him. Yeah. And that that's a tone setter, right? It's a form of leadership, right? So everybody's got different leadership capabilities. You know, all four of us in different ways would lead by, uh, you know, in a different way. It doesn't mean any one is less effective than the other. It's just the way you go about doing it yourself. And I don't think KD is not a leader because he's not out there rah-rahing and being the most obvious physical example of leadership out there on the floor. I think he's just doing it 
in his normal, quiet kind of manner because that's mm-hmm. who he is. Yes. And that's what I love about KD. Yes. He, You can say all the things you want about him, but he, he has been absolutely authentic to himself. Mm-hmm. He's never tried to change to fit any other narratives or try to fit what people want him to be. He's his own person. And to me, that even elevates his greatness to another level because he didn't cower down to, you know, the pressures of everybody else around him. And he talked about that within this interview as well, how earlier on in his career, he felt like he had to give a little bit more Mm -hmm. and be a little more open, share some of the stories, do things that are outside of his normal natural state of being Mm -hmm. a little more extroverted if you will and then as as time went on in in the nba he's like i just like being alone i kind of just like doing my own thing (laughs) and it goes along with the same idea here where he was saying you know you kind of have to sell yourself sell those stories to the media to really kind of have them buy into what they think you should be doing Mm -hmm. or or promote it in a certain way to an extent and he's not doing that. Yeah, he's right. chilling behind the scenes, doing what he knows is the best for him, the best for his teammates, and the best for whatever situation they are in at that certain moment in time. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. Right. No. There, the thing about leadership is nobody's going to follow you if they feel like you're putting on a show or mm-hmm. not being genuine. That's yeah. that's the whole point. Like Kobe running over Pau Gasol, that is a vintage Kobe thing to yeah. do, so it's mm-hmm. going to fire everybody up. KD going about things in his own way and setting the tone, that's going to fire everybody up because that is KD being KD. So putting on a show and being fake just so the media can take notice of it, I'm glad that he doesn't do that because Mm -hmm. he just is who he is, and that is what inspires the people that actually matter to follow him. Yeah, you know, Kobe Kobe was a leader in between the lines. That's how he led. Mm -hmm. Running over Paul Gasol, who was a teammate with L.A., that's that's between the lines. I know people that play with Kobe that said outside of the lines, Kobe didn't speak to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're not going to argue if Kobe was a leader. Kobe's a leader. He didn't speak to people. He, mm-hmm. he would, there were teammates that played whole seasons with him and have looked me in the face and said, Flex, I don't remember that dude saying a damn word to me an entire season mm-hmm. except for when we were on the court. So leadership, I think the guy, uh, go up a little bit, Eric, uh, Coulter. Right there, Charles, Charles Coulter. Coulter. There it is. There it is right there. Leadership not always going to look the same. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody does it their own way. So I'm okay with Charles saying what he what he says to an extent, but when you call somebody a follower because they're not leading the way you want, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of other narratives around KD um, and his career, one of which is people putting asterisks next to his accomplishments. Yeah. He also talked about that on this uh, podcast as well. Do you feel like you have to accomplish more? Do you, are you are you at all motivated by this, by the story, the narrative? I wouldn't say I'm motivated by the narrative. Like I hear it and I understand it, but I've never been motivated by that. It's always been about, can I perfect the craft tonight? Can I be at my best tonight? And that's always the challenge more so than anything. And once I started to understand that like, this was my goal all around, all along was to build my craft to the best that I can get it and and fitting that into a team instead of like I just want to win championships and be have these accolades for myself. That's when the game started to become more fun to me, and that's what I lean on more than anything. So once the game is once I don't enjoy that part of it, then that's probably when I think about when it's time for me. But I'm so I, I enjoy 
so much of like even the cause I'm like, man, fuck, this is I hated this fucking game tonight. This is a shitty game by us. I enjoy knowing that all right, I can go back the next game and 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 avenge our loss. You know what I'm saying? I, I enjoy that part of the grind. So, you know, it's just for me, like the narratives are I hear them and I listen to them and it inspires me and fuels me, but it's not the reason I play. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's just part of it's just something I can't avoid. My favorite part about this is where he talks about how it's more about the team for him. Like mm-hmm. that's the most enjoyable part for him is is the team's success, not mm-hmm. the individual accolades. And I think we've seen that throughout his career, especially in his time here with the Suns and how he's kind of taken a step back in certain areas when he doesn't need it, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are nights where, sure, Katie could go out there and have 50 points, but that's not what the team needs from Katie. The team needs him to be the driver when it comes to defense or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. I love that. He's a a big fan of the process. Mm -hmm. Like he's just absolutely bought into the process. You don't get to play this many years in the NBA unless you are a fan of the process itself, the mm-hmm. day-to-day grind that goes into being an, an athlete uh, at any level, any professional level. I mean, it is a grind. It is taxing on the body. It's taxing mentally. It's, you know, you got to do all these other things outside of just playing hoop um, that try to take you away and take your attention away from what it is. But when you get into the building and you're talking to your teammates and you're working out with them and you're putting up shots and you're practicing and stuff like that, that process Real hoopers love that process. Yeah. They just always have. That's why guys will continuously go to the park and play every single day because they just love the grind. They love playing. It, it's, it is a pure love of the game that KD has, and that is undisputable. Um, and I really do appreciate the fact that he he is not changing at all. Like this, a minute ago I said, I said this before, Steph Curry in his documentary talked about, uh, you know, when he had broke the three-point record, he, he hugged KD because uh, KD was in Brooklyn and they were in New York playing the Knicks. And he hugged hugged KD. KD walked off and Steph said, that's the most misunderstood guy in the entire league. And it's and there's a reason for that. It's because people look at Kevin Durant from the outside and they think they can, you know, they can pinpoint what he is and they can make assumptions about who he is. You'll never get to know what KD's all about unless you talk to him. Yeah. And you have a long, in-depth conversation uh, because he's just – He's a lot more complex than that. Mm-hmm. Point yeah. blank. He is. And there's nothing wrong with what anything that he's done in his career. He's represented the game at a high level. He's never really gotten into any trouble. Mm-hmm. He's all about ball. He wants to play with, you know, the best players in the world. He wants to go back to the Olympics this year for the fourth time. Like what is I don't I've never understood the KD hate ever. And so well, I, I like I like that he said the this. The other thing too is people think that he is all up in his feels all the time because he's active on social media. And I'm like, so it's only reserved for celebrities that that idea when mm. they're active on social media, but then you stand so hard when he responds to you. Mm. Yeah. It's like your claim to fame, quite literally. Yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those things that he talked about this earlier in the interview talking about, you know, what does legacy mean? And he's always had a problem with that word. Well, like my legacy is what you all say about me. It's not Mm -hmm. even defined by me at this point. So like, what is the point in me putting a ton of stock in whatever you say about me when, and he talked about this for me, the goat conversation is not like who has the most 
championships, MVPs, accolades, awards, all this stuff. It's like I'm in the rare group of people that can have a basketball conversation with MJ, with Kobe, with these all-time greats. Like, what did you see on this play? Or what were you thinking here? And it be a similar answer. And that's something that the rest of us will never be able to relate to on that level. Like, we can analyze the game. We can dissect it. We can talk about what he did on this play or what he did at this point in his career. But at the end of the day, he's forgotten more about basketball than most of us will ever know. So it's kind of cool to hear him say that, like, yeah, I hear the narratives. I, I know what people say about me, and it does fuel me to a certain extent. But the thing that really drives me is just my genuine love for the game. And he takes pride in the fact that, like, he can jump from a different team to another team and the fit be just as seamless no matter which players he's surrounded with. I think mm-hmm. he enjoys playing with different superstars and finding his ways where he can fit in on both ends. Yeah, first of all, if you haven't heard the whole interview, go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find like, it on Boardroom's YouTube. Go mm-hmm. check it out. It's about an hour and 14 minutes. Yeah. Right? An incredible interview. Some of the things he said, uh, it stuck with me throughout the day mm-hmm. because he talked about when he had the Achilles injury mm-hmm. and how you feel as an athlete, it's done. It's mm-hmm. over. Like, I can't get my foot to do what it's supposed to do. Um, but you go into that moment and you're like, all the gold medals, all the scoring, the scoring titles, the league MVP, the championships, all that stuff flashes right before their eyes. Mm-hmm. And then you have that moment where you can say, I'm done. Kevin Durant could have tore his Achilles and said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to walk away, fade into the sunset. I got rings. I got gold medals. I got scoring titles. I got league MVPs. I'm one of the greatest to ever do it. But yet he sat there and fought his ass off to get back in the game, learn how to rewalk, learn how to replay basketball again with such a traumatic injury. Um, why? Because he loves the game of basketball. Because he mm-hmm. cares about the game of basketball. That's a guy that didn't have to do that. And so I, I encourage people, if you really want to get a good glimpse into Kevin Durant, listen to the whole interview because he is way more complex than people think. Saul makes a great point. And he is a uh, basketball savant and a genius. To Gerald's point, he's forgot more basketball than we'll ever know. Mm-hmm. So to sit here and, and go crazy on Kevin Durant, it just blows my mind um, that some people feel like they're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, great, great interview. Go check it out. Yeah. He also spoke about quite a few different players uh, throughout the NBA, including his teammate, Devin Booker. What's surprised you about Book's game that you didn't know? His mentality. When it's time to hunt and to kill, he's all about that. And he doesn't let up either. And I've never seen somebody, uh, well, I've seen it before, but playing on the team with somebody, you look up in the first quarter, you can easily get 25 to 30 points in the first quarter. Shit, quickly like that. Um, But just his mentality to go score the ball is something I underestimated. I didn't truly know it was this, uh, was at this level. Hmm. Love to hear it. From right? an all-time great. Exactly. Yeah. It's right. no surprise to us. Like, mm-hmm. we've all kind of known that mm-hmm. about Book. But when you have a guy of Kevin Durant's stature saying it out loud mm-hmm. for everyone in the world to see about a guy who he's now had experience playing with and is behind the scenes with, seeing everything that goes in, 
when we talk about what KD does behind the scenes and he's sharing things with book, mm-hmm. then you know you got that stamp of approval. It's, it's you can't debate it anymore. No, it, you know, I I always thought like where where did I go wrong in terms of like trying to become a professional basketball player because we yeah. all had that dream at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. And then it dies at, at some point along the way. Yep. Um, and and I never could really pinpoint. I always thought maybe I just didn't have the work ethic. And then I saw Devin Booker. It was the first time I've ever really seen a practice mm. at the NBA level. And I saw Devin Booker after practice continuing to work on things. And he did he did a couple things in that practice in terms of challenging teammates, being physical, and working on his own craft that I looked at and I was just like, yeah, I never had well, a chance. Well, that's why. I never had a chance. <laughs> I never, I, like my mentality never went to the point of – and I'm not going to say aggressiveness – but um, that kind of dominant mentality, like I'm, I need to be the best. It's not a want; it's a need. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you possess that, and you have the physical tools to be able to to match it on the court, that that's what makes players great. Mm-hmm. And seeing that in person, uh, it really hit home that, like, yeah, a this guy's super special, and b man, I don't want to be Eliakobo right now because he's getting his shit kicked in, <laughs> well- and it. I feel bad for him. I love that you always bring up that story with Ellie because a few years prior, it was reversed with PJ Tucker and book. And he really took that personally. Mm. Like he, he was Ellie in those moments because it was his rookie season. And he was like, one of these days, PJ, I'm going to get you. (laughs) Like that was the mentality. It was like, I know you can do this to me now because I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm still learning at this level. But just you wait because I'm going to get there and then I'm going to bust your ass. All right. So, King, talking about that, this is an interesting conversation. So the difference is when when Book was going against PJ and PJ was bullying him and giving him the business, Book took that home. Book took, took that home and obsessed about that mm-hmm. and made it a mission and said, I'm going to get his dude to business. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. but I promise you. I'm going to fight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scratch, I'm going to claw, but I'm going to give you the business and I'm going to make you respect me. Mm-hmm. Now, what people don't, I don't know if people know this or not, but Elliot Cobo and Book were good friends. They were busty. Very good friends, okay? And Book was doing to Ellie what PJ was doing to Book. Mm-hmm. Here's the difference, that mentality. Ellie didn't take it home and obsess about it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. That's what separates these guys. Elliot Kobo didn't go home and say, you know what? My my goal in life is to go back and bust Evans' ass. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference. It's a killer instinct. Kobe was the most arrogant 16, 17-year-old person on fucking planet Earth, man. Like, I was in gyms with people, and this guy at 16 was saying, I'm the best player in the world. I don't give a damn what your ranking is. Tim Thomas... I know you number one, but I'm better, dog. And I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to show your ass. And I'm going to show you on Thursday when we come back. It's a different. So, yeah, I question the same thing. Where did I go wrong? I ain't I ain't got that. But the thing is, is not yeah. many people have that. Correct. Like, mm-hmm. even, you know, talking to the difference between Book and Ellie, like, you can point to a number of guys who've come and, come and gone from the league who don't have that. Yeah. That's what makes it so unique and so great. 
that's why you talk about those specific players in the ways that you do. Because you can still make it to the league without that. Yeah. But that's what sets you apart. You won't be great. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely that. Like, I don't want to underplay that. But in some cases, it's also just like ability. Because yeah, like, I, mean, I some, think yes. Ellie could have Kobe's mentality if and he, he still wasn't going to bust books. Raw talent. Like, no. Because he's Elliot Kobo. But like... <laughs> Damn. Like, but he still I'm, made it to the league. That's yeah, what we're no, saying absolutely. here. He's, like, in the top one, he's in the top 1% of players on planet Earth probably still to, play, to this yeah. point. But like at that level, just confidence, just that edge is not enough. And that's where Book and guys like KD and all these different guys that we talk about are truly one of a kind because they have that maniacal, super competitive drive to be great. And they also have the ability, the size, the athleticism, the skill to do it, too. So it, it's pretty cool that watching Book go from this rookie that was drafted 13th as the sixth man at that great Kentucky team to one of the 10 best players in the NBA that an all-time great like KD is saying, yeah, that guy's a killer. That guy's a hunter when it's time to hunt. Basically, cool. at the end of the day, what we've learned is you can always bet on Book and he'll have your back. Mm -hmm. And you can also bet on him tomorrow when he plays the Mavs with our friends over at the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Right now, if you sign up for the BetMGM Sportsbook app using the bonus code PHNX, all you got to do is place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $5. And you are going to receive $150 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wagers outcome again that is bonus code phnx you can check out the show notes for full details and now you can listen to damon talk about the disclaimer Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NEW-YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help Michigan. 1-800-91-0023 Puerto Rico in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms. This promotional offer is not available in New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gerald, what makes you happy? My wedding coming up. Oh, okay. But All also right. beer. Is there, is there one specific thing that makes you happy? No. No. I'm so confused. Okay. That was an honest answer, answer though. Yeah, nothing, I mean, nothing makes her happy <laughs> That's ever. True? That's true. Plus, it's just a, a couple of things. That makes me happy. Food. Food. Okay, girl food. dinner. Food. What's that? I love a good girl dinner. Girl dinner. You don't remember that? That went around social? Yeah. It's just like a basically a smorgasbord of miscellaneous things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Can you run well, that word by me again? Nope. <laughs> <Okay>. Happiness <laughs> is essential to life. It is. Okay. It is. To living, yeah. right? And you can live great with Michelob Ultra. There we go. Uh, 2.6 uh, <laughs> carbs and, you know, 95 calories. You can't go wrong with Michelob Ultra. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. It's a great beer. It's light. Uh, it doesn't make you feel weighed down. And it's, uh, it's a nice little. To me, it's a very good social beverage. You just need something in your hand to drink and sip and taste good. And while you chit-chat away, Michelob Ultra has got you. Uh, head over to MichelobUltra.com to find how you can win superior NBA prizes and to find a Michelob Ultra near you. It's only worth it if you enjoy it and enjoy responsibly. Absolutely. All right, guys. So another thing that is circulating around the internets today are some comments from JJ Reddick uh, kind of calling out his media counterparts. Since when is it players' jobs to educate people on basketball? When did that become a thing? When did that become a thing? Isn't that our job? Isn't that our job? I'll answer. I'll I do answer that as my I'm, job. I'm, That's I'm, my job I'm, to educate I'm, people I'm on letting, basketball. I'm letting you speak, no, and then I, I'm, I'll I'm, answer. I, I'm, it's our job, Stephen A., to educate mm -hmm. people on basketball. It's okay. our job. And here's the reality. This is the okay. ecosystem we live in. 
I can do a okay. video on my podcast. I can do a video on my podcast where I break down the last nine games the Pelicans have used Zion Williamson as the primary ball handler and what type of actions that has led to. I looked it up this morning. 54,000 views on YouTube. But I want to call out a coach yesterday. Oh, that gets tens of millions of engagements. That's the ecosystem we live in. So do fans actually want to be educated or not? It's a good question. And as people in this space, we have grappled with it for years now. Mm. Um, going to the journalism school, I've been writing for over a decade. And I can back up first, you know, I'm not putting out any videos that are getting 54,000 views on YouTube. But like when I put out an article that's like a breakdown or something that I think is more on the educational analytical side of things, it's going to get one tenth of the views that something like here are 10 trades or here is Isaiah Stewart punching Drew Eubanks in the face story. And I want to preface this by saying that I don't think there's anything wrong with casual fans that just want to enjoy the drama, that want to enjoy the big storylines and narratives and don't really want to be educated because at the end of the day, some people work a nine to five and when they get off, they just want to relax and watch basketball and turn their brains off. And that's perfectly fine. But NBA media does such a bad job compared to NFL media in terms of bridging the gap between entertainment and education. Like if you watch an NFL halftime show, they're talking about the game. They're saying the run, the running game needs to do this, or the defense needs to do this, or this is where quarterback messed up here. If you watch an NBA halftime show, half the time they are not even talking about the game that they are covering. They're talking about here's the biggest storylines from around the league. And to a certain extent, I get it because the NBA has more marketable stars than anybody. They have bigger and brighter personalities than any sports league. And I don't think leaning into that drama is bad necessarily, but 95% of NBA coverage now is slop. It's hot takes, it's clickbait, it's narratives, it's drama, it's all everything but the actual hoops analysis. And I feel like NBA media does its fans a disservice when it only focuses on those things. Like there is a market for it. It's not as big because people love the drama at the end of the day. But we need to do a better job both as media and as fans in bridging that gap so that not all of the coverage of this league is just bullshit. Like there has to be some substance to it. Okay, I have a couple things. Go ahead. One, I don't disagree with you. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> if the numbers show what the numbers show, then that's but on us from a fan base perspective mm -hmm. to if we truly do want that, then we have to actually engage with it. We yes. have to promote it mm -hmm. in the same ways that we engage and promote the dramatic storyline type of things. Because at the end of the day, we all understand that this is a business. So if you only get 10,000 clicks versus 100,000 clicks, you have to do where the business mm. says you've got to go. Yep. Second, one of the, the biggest reasons why I think the NBA struggles with like your example of the NFL during halftime, they're pointing out specific things is the partnerships from the TV side of things. Mm. The NFL typically has the networks that do a lot of these things. Yep. Whereas in the Suns, for example, they own their own broadcast, which means their broadcasters are paid by Matt Ishbia, mm. which means they're going to say nice things about the Suns and right. Matt Ishbia. That's how it's always been. Mm. And majority of the teams are similar too. even if you have a Fox Sports or a valleys or whomever it's a partnership so there is mm -hmm. a limit to what you can say in these shows you have to kind of be 
polite about it. But I'm for talking lack like of a national word. too. Like I know, but then day. on the national side of things, now you're juggling multiple games at the same time, right? Mm. Are they actually paying attention to the Suns when there's three other games going on, or are they watching that one over there? Yeah. I mean, if it's a and national I think that's telecast, an issue. you should be like TNT. And ESPN do a really bad job when they have a national game of actually talking about the game that they are covering. And I get it. They have double headers, but like so does the NFL. Like the NFL still has analysts that break things. And the broadcast, too. Like the broadcast, you learn so much more watching an NFL broadcast about the game than you do in an NBA one because the broadcasting is just not as good on the well, NBA side. It, it's also because the the time in between plays it's as well. Shorter. That, That's that, part of that it. That does yeah. matter for sure for because, sure. you know, I mean, it's back and forth, back and forth. You don't have time to pull out the telestrator. Like, by the way, on that last play, while the other play is going on, right? right. So so there is that. Do you have mm-hmm. anything to say? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't get into the business side of this. I'm not uh, equipped to talk about how networks should do things. I just been here six months. I'm learning the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I don't have no problem with what JJ said. I think there's a lot of truth to it. Um, to your point, you watch a TNT game, they go to halftime. I only give a damn about about 30 seconds of that halftime, and that's probably when Kenny runs to the board and starts <laughs> talking basketball. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a basketball guy. I don't I don't care about the, the fluff. I don't care about who Taylor Swift is dating. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm a basketball guy and I wanna I wanna digest basketball um in my way. And sometimes way too often, 90% of the time, you watch the telecast and you're like, okay, when when are we gonna actually get to damn basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think another problem I had, the last thing I will say is um, he, he makes a great point. The difference in views for BS versus actual basketball, mm-hmm. that's way too much of a gap. Okay. And, and, and the people that are complaining about basketball are the ones that won't watch that video about basketball. Mm-hmm. And so that's my problem. Don't sit here and, and claim to be a genius and 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 point out these players and say things about players when you're not even watching the 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 information they're given that's actually basketball related it it drives me nuts so i got no problem with what he said i also think from the basketball content <clears throat> side of things like the more in-depth analyticals type of stuff right mm-hmm. i think there's a barrier of entrance to that as well mm-hmm. where it's so much easier to be a casual nba fan Keep up with the storylines around the league, watch basketball from an entertainment perspective without really diving too deep into it. Where do you go without getting clowned mm-hmm. for asking those questions? Right. Somebody in a comment section could be like, hey, can you help me understand what's going on in this play here? And what are half of the comments? Yeah, you're casual. a casual. Yeah. You're a bum. Get out of here. This isn't for you. Like right. we're assholes sometimes. Yes. So there is a barrier of entrance, too, where people mm-hmm. are like, fine, I'm not even going to go down that path because I don't feel welcome. It's not an easy space for me. I'm just going to be casual. I'm going to be involved in the storylines and I'm going to follow Kevin Durant because I like him. And yeah. Then- go ahead. Go ahead. You sure? Yeah. All right. So uh, th- there's there's a lot of levels to this. And it's kind of ironic because, you know, once we launched PHNX, um, you know, kind of going through this, I'll talk about myself. So I used to give a lot of hot takes. I used to do a lot of rants in mm-hmm. the first year we, of this of this whole thing. And then I got to a point where I felt like I wasn't providing enough basketball information or knowledge at all. I was just shouting into the void for no damn reason. And so I adjusted myself because I didn't I didn't like the way that I felt like I was being portrayed 
um, because of my my own approach, right? And so I wanted to change that up. Um, and the reason why is because I felt like you know, you know, I love Espo, but Espo Espo does a lot of the 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 hot take kind of stuff, um, and he has his own opinion. And I felt like having both of us do the same thing kind of didn't really make too much sense. So I wanted to bring something else different to the to the thing. Um, you fast forward to the last, you know, six months, really, uh, really the last three months. And one of the things that keep, that keep, that kept popping up in a, in a variety of different places, whether it be podcasts, Reddit, Twitter, whatever, was that, you know, our show, um, was more for the casuals. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I thought about it a lot. And here's, there's a reason why we have to try to, you know, appeal to the broader base because it is a business and we have to get as many people into the wind, into the, into the door as possible in order to have the best shot at continuing to exist. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, once you get into this space and what we've done over the last couple months is we, okay, let's, let's see if we can fine tune this a little bit to give those people that love, you know, uh, you know, a, a place where they like the analytical stuff or they want to get deep dives um, how do we give them something that they can really sink their teeth into? Mm-hmm. So Gerald and Steven start to do the, the take that for data. He and I start to do the old heads. Uh, we, we have the outside shots show, um, and we're doing different content to try and appeal to a variety of different levels. But it is hard when, you know, people just think first of all, they make assumptions about what you're doing as a business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, everything that we do, we're trying to give as much knowledge back to the public as possible. And I agree with JJ Reddick to a certain extent is, you know, it's not, it's not a player's job to educate you on, on X, Y, and Z. And I get that, but there are also a lot of people that want to learn. Maybe they don't know exactly where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at, and I'll use this as a perfect example. I'm about to bring Espo again into this, right? Steven Pridgen. You guys all have started to get to know him, does fantastic work. For the last two, three years, he's been doing film breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And my guy was getting like five views, mm-hmm. 10 views on a 15 or 20 minute breakdown on terms of sets that the Suns were running or the Merc were running or the Chicago Sky were running or the Bulls were running. Didn't matter. He was, and, but he wasn't, he wasn't getting a lot of views. Uh, meanwhile, like Espo will throw on a tinfoil hat and say something outrageous views mm-hmm. like so so it does it does depend on what the audience wants and what you really want to track i love both sides mm-hmm. i like to be entertained but i also want the knowledge and there's two things that you have to come from every piece of media otherwise it falls flat you either have to be entertaining or you have to provide information if you don't do either one you die mm-hmm. and so that's what i think you know overall the landscape is trying to figure that out the best balance and some people they found out their their own secret sauce and their own formula like TNT and ESPN. And they're just going to drive that point home and that they're not going to get out of that lane because it's been working this long. People are still watching. We're going to continue to do it. But that doesn't mean that everybody else that comes along has to do the same thing. And you can adjust and, you know, manipulate your own space in order to, you know, appeal to a wider range a group of people and even have those specifics within that range. Mm. And that's what I love about basketball. There's so many different things, the analytical side, the Hooper side, the casual side, you know, just the, the fan that likes the, the Suns, but they don't really get to follow the team that much. Like 
it's it's all over the place. So it doesn't have to be a one size fits all kind of mm-hmm. scenario. Right. We can all exist in the same space. And to go back to your point about the statistical and the analytical stuff, right? I do agree. I think there's a, a section of of that that exists where, you know, to me, I've never really bought into the analytics, but that doesn't mean I'm going to dismiss it, right? Mm-hmm. I've talked to Gerald multiple times about analytics and trying to learn more about this, that, and the other. But there is a sense sometimes that I feel like if I'm not listening to analytics or statistics, that that means I clearly don't know shit. Mm. And it's like, no, like there's a field that goes along with this as well. You know, not every stat can can relate to everything that's going on in the court uh, and, and paint that perfect picture. It's not going to be like that and vice versa. So mm. that's that's kind of my feeling towards all of this is just we can all live in the same space. I, I, I think that's you're speaking to the importance of local coverage, too, because it is hard as a national beat writer or talking head to adequately cover 30 different teams yes. of the league. It's impossible. Like it really is. And that's that's why there are so many good po- podcasts here on the Suns in Phoenix that are worthwhile listens because yeah. they bring different things to the table. And I think that's why at the start of this, I mentioned we need to bridge that gap because you do need to be entertaining to bring in the average fan. But it's also okay to educate them without doing, you know, the deep dives that only diehard analytical minds will appreciate. Um, And so that's one thing that we are trying to do here. It's something that I'm working on because I know I tend to lean a lot more towards the analytical nerdy type stuff. Um, But you're right, Lindsay. There shouldn't be that feeling of there's a barrier of entry. If I am a casual fan who wants to learn more, that's one thing that I'm trying to break down that barrier. Stephen Pridgen. Uh, the dunkers spot, they do a good job. Shane Young, JJ Reddick, like a lot of and, these people. Do and to that. be clear, mm-hmm. at any level, right? Whether uh, you know, whether you're trying to get into the space, to me, it's a bid reg flag for anybody that I see on Twitter to call somebody else a casual if they do ask an honest basketball yeah, question. Right. Like, yeah. fuck you. Who are yeah. you to sit there and be the gatekeeper <clears throat> of basketball? <clears throat> this shit's for everybody. Also, just to, to be absolutely 100% clear here at least from my opinion, Hmm. whatever style of fan you are Hmm. is perfectly fine. If you resonate with what JJ Reddick said, that's great. If you're the opposite of it and you're like, I don't really care about that content, that's absolutely fine too. Nobody gets to dictate how you are a fan of a specific sport, Mm -hmm. team, player, you name it, whatever it may be. Like, Again, but just if you to be are, very clear. If you are that type of fan that does want to learn more, make you sure have you have to su- invest in Make it. sure you support yes. the people that do work that you like and make sure you seek it out. Ideally, it would be like a buffet where you can pick and choose what you want. Yeah. My problem is that the balance of that buffet is 95% slop right now and 5% <clears throat> actual content that'll educate people. And so I think finding that right balance and is what we need to be better at as NBA media. People. I think you have people that believe in eye tests. Mm-hmm. That played the game, that have lived it, and you got people that have the analytical side. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe there's a middle ground mm-hmm. that can be met between yep. both sides. And to, to Lindsay's point, it's funny she said that because I've had people reach out to me on Twitter and say, I don't know what this means, Flex. And those are my best interactions. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're getting hounded by other goofballs, but those are the ones I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. A, a, a genuine conversation. I'd rather you tell me you don't know, teach me, yeah. than, than act like you know and be an asshole. Mm. Yeah. It's so like, that's what I'm talking about. So Gerald Gerald has done the All-NBA podcast a couple times with Tim Legler. I was fortunate enough to do it twice this week. 
the th one thing about legs that I was blown away by was just like his openness to share his knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like he, he did not hold anything back and, and, and he was just so welcoming that it made me feel like, you know, I, if I have a basketball take, he's not going to sit there and think that it's egregious or he's going to judge me based on what I just said. He, if, if he, if he disputes it, then he'll dispute it mm -hmm. and he'll say, well, I actually see this, this, and this, whatever. But like I learned, you know, you always learn, you're constantly learning. And when you, when you see somebody like legs who played in the NBA for a decade, who's been on television for two decades mm -hmm. is one of the most respected guys in terms of breaking down <laughs> players and systems in the league. Like for him to not feel like he needs to be an elitist and, and a gatekeeper that that should tell everybody that they don't need to be that because I guarantee you all the people on Twitter that are trying to gatekeep ha don't have the credentials of a Tim Legler. No. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Tim, right. and I guarantee you if Tim Legler's talking to Greg Popovich, he's learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there saying, what can I learn today? Mm -hmm. Because there's no one that's perfected this game of basketball. You're learning every damn day. Kevin, Devin, Pop, I don't care how long you've been in the game of basketball. If if you're being genuine about it and you're being real with yourself, there's something to learn at all times yeah. in the game of basketball. So basically what we're saying is if you find a creator that you really love, make sure when you win the lottery that you give them some money so they can keep creating. <laughs> there you go. That's what we're trying to tell you mm -hmm. here. And you can also play the lottery with Arizona Lottery. They introduced a new unique ticket and promotion called Arizona Adventure. There are three ways to play and win big. First, you can play Arizona Adventure Lottery tickets featuring three iconic landscapes, Picacho Peak, Monument Valley, and Camelback Mountain. And these tickets have prizes up to $50,000. You can also check in at Geolocated Adventures at 10 destinations across the state from Flagstaff to Yuma. Or you can enter tickets online for a chance to win $1 million in cash and Arizona travel prizes. The Arizona Lottery is not just about playing games and winning prizes, but it's also about giving back to the, the state and its communities. So visit azadventure.com for more information on how you can take an adventure for a chance to win $1 million in cash and Arizona travel prizes. Every time I leave a casino, no matter what I win, I go all in on my last hand. And if you win the lotto, you should just do the same thing so you could double your money. Okay. Uh, that's just bad advice from a bad <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, you go to Gila River and put those bets down. Always uh, 13 red, always, no matter that's, what. That's me, bro. I know, man. Oh, I was, okay. I was trying to give you a shout out subliminally. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, Gila River, fantastic uh, venue. You can, you can see concerts. It. Actually, uh, Ice Cube is coming. Uh, and so Ice is Big Daddy Kane. Let's Don't go. ask me why. Okay. Like those two E40s coming Let's to town. Let's go. Oh, like check that out, go. right? That's all going to be around the final Don't four time. Sound There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on at Gila River besides the great restaurants that they have and the great hotel that they have. So check them out. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Play uh, and visit play at Gila.com for more details. We going to see Big Daddy Kane? Me and you. You know, come on, bro. We got to get man. the eyebrow, get a little stash, and a little cutting no, eyebrow. No, I grew I, up on Big Daddy King. I'm not doing the cutting eyebrow. Come on, I'm, man. I'm, 40, I'm, 40, I'm, 40, I'm 44 years Plex old. Like, man. I'm ready. I've been I'm waiting ready, for an man. excuse to put a slit in my Age, eyebrow. That's what I'm saying. Age is a number, bro. And it's going to grow back. Yeah, it'll grow back. It might. I mean, at this point, okay. you never know. <laughs> smooth operator. You never know. Y'all know. Look at us. Smooth operator. Right, Gr Groundhog Mama had a pretty good comment. She said, if I win the lottery, I'm upgrading the PHNX internet. Please thank and you. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please help. All right. Let's round out the show 
with um, what we're looking for in the second half of the season with the Suns or the back half, this final part, whatever you want to call it. The final 27 games of the regular season for the Suns. What are you guys looking for? I need the juice. That's what I'm looking for. And when I say that, I mean like that feeling when things are going so good and the team is clicking and the crowd is loud, like that juice that we had in 2021 against the Nuggets mm -hmm. and that alley-oop to Torrey Craig was probably the loudest I've ever heard in an arena and it damn sure was the highest I've ever jumped in an arena uh, <laughs> when that happened. And mm -hmm. I just remember in that moment, being in the moment and being like, yeah, this is some fucking dope shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is special. I need I need that back in my life. Okay. So if we get to the first round and we're hosting a, a series, which we should, because we will creep back up into the top four. I'm convinced of it. I need y'all to bring the juice again, man, because the last couple playoffs, it's it's been okay. Been a light. But it wasn't like that. It wasn't like 2021, yeah. man. Yeah. I need I need the juice. Okay. I, I listen, the last 27 games, I'm looking to be tested. Mm. That's what I want. I want a stress test. We have the number want, one straight to schedule. Remaining, that's why so I like there you it. Go. That's why I like it. You know, there I've seen people in my mentions and DMing me about, oh my God, Flex, I'm worried. They have the toughest strength of schedule. And I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, I, I, I think that's the best thing for this basketball team. Uh, get tested, go against top level uh, talent in this bat in the NBA, and. It's literally a stress test, you know, mm -hmm. for, for people who know stress tests, right? You want to test your heart. They put you on a treadmill. You run your ass off. They got all these monitors on. Make sure you don't die of a heart attack. Well, guess what? That's what I want the Suns to have. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sorry if I, that's a little crazy. But listen, I want the Suns to be stress test in these last 27 because there's going to be a hell of a playoff run in front of them. Mm -hmm. A lot of very good teams. And this is the, the last 27 games is the moment to, uh, to do that. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, so I wrote about five different things I'm keeping an eye on over in our PHNX Suns newsletter. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out and subscribe so you can get weekly Suns content delivered to your inbox. But uh, we already talked a little bit about the small ball thing with Royce and Thad Young. I'm definitely looking forward to that in 12 minutes with Royce at the four and Katie at the five before the break. The Suns were plus 20, so very limited uh, flashes that we were able to see before the break. I want to watch that more. But since we already kind of talked about that, I think one of the big things I want to see is whether they can continue to push the pace against a tougher schedule. Um, before that road trip, the Suns were 25th in the NBA in pace. And since that seven-game road trip that they went on, they are third in pace in the NBA. So it feels like, A, getting stops, uh, defensive progress helps with that. Cutting down on turnovers helps with that. Um, and just more familiarity with yeah. their main guys because that's one of the bigger things we've seen over the last few weeks is just getting healthy and having more games with the big three. They've been able to attack in transition a lot more, play at a faster place, be more familiar. So I'm hoping that they're able to continue that because Durant is like in the 95th percentile in finishing in transition. Devin Booker is like 90th. They've got multiple guys in the 89th percentile or better. So why wouldn't you want to put them in those opportunities um, and continue to play at the faster pace that they were talking about going into the season that we didn't see for the first two and a half months. I'm with Dagoon in the chat. They said nothing but complete and utter domination is acceptable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really all I'm they looking for. They got a for. real tough schedule. Man. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, but real quick, but, by, the, by the way, for the pace thing, mm -hmm. did, you, did you know that um, I think it was, yeah, Pace Picante, that was their phrase. Pick what? up the pace. 
Pick up Picante? the pace. Yeah, yeah, the salsa. Pick yeah. up the pace. Oh, I, I smell a sponsorship opportunity there you go. somewhere. Um, Max. <laughs> but Nightwing in the chat also said, I want them to make teams beat them. Don't give any games away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, <laughs> a good one. We're being honest. That's really probably the one. Um, no more of these weird, random, quote unquote, nights off, scheduled losses. You take your foot off the gas. You don't take your opponent seriously. Whatever excuse you want to throw out there, I don't want to see any of those anymore. Yeah, I'm going to be very upset if we see those at this point. Well, you're going to be upset because it, ha it, it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to be upset. So yeah. Just know. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> I do have one more that. thing that I'm, I'm looking for in the second just half. Just know I'm going to be mad at you. <laughs> What's that um, and uh, I've said this all season long, and I will continue to say this, that I do believe that Bradley Beal holds the fate of our – championship hopes in his hands and he doesn't even know it mm -hmm. yeah i just feel like that i feel like if bradley beal puts it all together gets comfortable out there in in terms of his role understands when to attack aggressively and and be who he is i don't think there's a team in the league that can stop us but we've only seen that bradley beal a couple times this season because he's still trying to figure it out he's trying trying to feel it out so i'm, I'm not knocking the guy at all I do think that he is going to rebound from this hamstring injury. He's going to find his groove. Hopefully, he doesn't get hit in the nose again, <laughs> um, and hopefully, he's he can you know avoid injury until we get to the playoffs and through the playoffs. So, I just feel Bradley Beal is he's got the fate of the world in his hands. Yeah, and with Bradley yeah. Beal too, yeah, yeah. outside of the injury, having to deal with all of that and missing time because of that. I think he's been the one who's been asked to adjust the most mm -hmm. on this team. You know what I mean? So now you kind of got a double whammy here. Like he's being asked to adjust the most and he's had the least amount of time to implement those adjustments. Yep. So it's yeah. kind of like, please, for the love of God, fingers crossed, touch metal, knock on wood. Let's all stay healthy. And he's had the season from hell. He's either due for like three to four months straight of purely healthy basketball. Yeah. Or we already know how this is going to go and it's just going to continue to I don't want to go down that route. <laughs> I don't either. We're not even going to pretend like that's an even option. <laughs> um, okay, we have a couple of super chats here real quick. Eddie, thank you. Uh, this is Eddie's 20th super chat on hey, a live stream. Thanks, thank you, Eddie. They said, I don't think it's a coincidence that we get a lot of free agent and buyout targets. That's a testament to Katie's relationship building and leadership. For sure. Also a testament to Book and how many guys <laughs> want to play with him and Matt Ishbia being aggressive and not caring what the final bill is going to be. Those and are all good yeah. things to have. In in silos and then all together too, yep. it's just like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Each one has their own, uh, what's mm. the word I'm looking for? Appeal. Merit. And yeah. then you put them all together and it's like, hmm. And Phoenix is a dope city too. People mm. are starting to realize this more and more, I feel like. Yeah. Yes. Omar sent us one as well. Thank you, Omar. They said, I wish the NBA had hard knocks. Could not agree more. Well, they got that that behind the scenes documentary that's coming out that was kind of like the PGA Tour one mm -hmm. yeah. on Netflix. And that's supposed to follow like five guys. I think Jason Tatum's one of them. Mm -hmm. So that, that should be fun. Joel and B. And what what did what happened when that first got announced? Y'all remember? What I do, happened? I, I vaguely do you remember, remember what happened on the internet? Everybody clowned it and who was going to be in it and all those oh, things. So they clowned Sabonis. Yeah. Just all of it. Like there was a <laughs> lot of people on the internet being like, 
No thanks. I'm too cool for I, this. Listen, I, I, I'm just saying. I, I'm like convinced. we can't complain and you then could, also complain at could, the same time. You could be the most beautiful person in the world. You could be the richest person in the world. You could be the most philanthropic person in the world, and people will still find a way to hate you. Mm -hmm. So it's whatever. Yeah, I, I I love the hard knocks thing. I think this documentary is more like the quarterback thing that they did on Netflix, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But thing. I'm he said hard knocks and. Mm -hmm. Hard knocks is a different thing. And I I've oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. They tried to do it, I think, with the Nets one year, but it wasn't. It didn't try. It, it wasn't like to the extent yeah. of hard knocks. I also it's, think it's harder in the NBA, too, with the travel schedules, whereas in the NFL, you will be in a city. Like, if you know you're playing in a city on Sunday, you're there from Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. So you actually have the ability to kind of settle in, and it doesn't really mess with your schedule as much. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the NBA, it is a little, from a production standpoint, it is a little more challenging. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it can't be done, but I am saying it's a little bit more challenging and getting the buy-in from the guys might be a little more difficult because of that. Michael so. Hayashi, you got to stop, buddy. <laughs> Phoenix is a dope city. It yeah. is. It is. It hey, is. man, I'm from New York, man. Phoenix is dope as hell. <laughs> I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. at least just six months in. <laughs> okay. Talk to me in six years. Um, I think that'll do it for us today. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow with a pregame and a postgame show for you. So plan to come hang out with us then. Until we see you tomorrow, make sure you check out all of the articles Gerald told you about over at gophnext.com. While you're there, check out our Die Hards tab to learn about all the amazing benefits you get for signing up to become a Die Hard, including a free item of your choice from the uh, store that we have, you also get access to our Die Hard Only Discord. You get discounts on events. It's a lot of great stuff in store for all, our, all of our Die Hard. So if you're not a Die Hard, become one. Again, go phnext.com. Uh, also give the show a follow on social at phnext underscore suns. Yes, all. Can I give a programming announcement? Sure. Uh, I know those of you who have been waiting for outside shots to come back uh, have been disappointed the last couple of weeks. We are back tomorrow morning and Friday morning, a back-to-back doubleheader this week with EJ and myself. So you can tune in at 8.30 tomorrow morning for that. There, there you go. go. Um, you can follow me on social at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow Flex at Flex from Jersey. And of course, you can follow Gerald at Gerald. Gerald, you want to do us the honors? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. We did get a super chat that just came oh, okay. in. Michael sent us one and said, Guys, what made me a Suns fan again is Suns on antenna tv again because i'm not paying so now i'm watching every game there we go having sun's games available you, across the area is amazing you know why because phoenix is a dope city and that ishbia has a lot of a lot of dollars a lot of money okay gerald now it's your turn again if you like our nba content or any nba content out there make sure you seek it out and support it in whatever way you can Till next time oi oi <laughs>